everybody. Welcome to the Export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka who just celebrated the first birthday of his firstborn. Happy birthday, EJ. How's he doing? How was the birthday party? The birthday party was really fun. Um, for those of you that don't follow me on Instagram, the theme was the notorious one based off Biggie. Um, and it was just fun, and he's doing really good. He He's currently taking the bottom, so he's living his best life. Ah, that's great to hear. I mean, especially considering you and A and everything y'all went through. Like, it's a beautiful thing to see y'all have EJ and be the awesome parents y'all are. So, again, happy birthday to EJ. And I'm still, after the show, remind me, I'm going to holler at you about that Target gift card. Um, But, yeah, we got a cool show for you guys. Uh, We are going to obviously take a look at the current uh, NFL playoff picture because per usual it is changing quite a bit following week 15 action we are also going to talk about the possibility of the Dallas Mavericks being good, a good trade destination if the Golden State Warriors were to decide to move on from Draymond Green and they kind of wrap things up talking about whether or not Steph Curry has established himself as arguably the greatest of all time. But before we get to any of that, please sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started uh, as we do every football segment with our college football player spotlight. And so this week, we're not going to put it on a specific player. We're going to put it on a scenario and that scenario being you are in the front office for the Chicago Bears and as of right now it's looking like you're going to have the first overall pick but you also have questions with Justin Fields so Ethan in your opinion what should the Bears do keep Justin Fields for another year and trade the first overall pick or trade Justin Fields and keep the first overall pick what would you do being honest I I say my thing we should keep, they should keep Justin Fields. Um, I don't know if they should trade the, the first overall pick unless they're able to get, like, positions of need because you can still address positions of need with the number one overall pick. But I think, like, he's shown flashes to where if you're able to fortify the offensive line, maybe because they have, I think they have two picks in the top ten, Maybe you're able to get um, Marvin Harrison Jr. to be a complimentary receiver to DJ Moore. I and maybe get some running back, like a definitive number one back. I think Justin Fields could be the guy because I my thing is is just like the in my opinion, I know Justin Fields doesn't have. Like, he has a realm of uncertainty around him. But it's also, I think it's a bigger realm of uncertainty around the guys that are coming in. Like, they've never played a down in the NFL. Yes, Caleb Williams is, like, one of the highest-ranked prospects at the position. But you don't know what he's going to look like in the NFL. Um, At least with Justin, you kind of have some semblance of what his strength and his weaknesses are. And you can potentially tailor the team to like to um, magnify his strengths and lessen his weaknesses. I I said this. The reason I brought up trading the first overall pick is 
you holding on to the first overall pick, maybe you get a Marvin Harrison, but then you still only have a set amount of picks to fill out the rest of the roster. And so I think there's a chance that let's say New England is desperate to get the guy that they want. And they're at two. So not only would you be able to move down and still be able to take a guy like Marvin Harrison, but you'd also get a whole bunch of draft picks in return. Or even maybe talk to a team like Vegas or Arizona or just another team that's kind of in that quarterback conversation. And so personally, if I was going to keep Justin Fields, I would trade down from one. Because, I mean, as long as you stay in the top five, there's still a chance that you could get Marvin Harrison if that's what you choose to do. But honestly, I, I think – Personally, I think it probably depends on who your head coach is because while it's no guarantee that Matt Eberflus is going to get fired, it would not shock me if he does. And who knows, maybe a new head coach is going to want a new head, a fresh start, which means Justin Fields has to go. And I don't even think it's a total indictment on Justin Fields because he hasn't played terrible this season. But I can understand if you're Chicago, if you just want to get a fresh start, move on with a new head coach and a new quarterback and see how things go and just try to trade uh Justin Fields to arguably the highest bidder so personally that's what I would do depending on like what the options are of course like I feel like at least you could get a two for Justin Fields and honestly the first call I'd make is Atlanta because I think he'd be a perfect fit there and lord knows they need a quarterback but between those two options I think I would trade Justin Fields and but again it really just depends on who the new head coach is if they get one but all right, let's go ahead and circle back week 15. Here's what happened. Starting with Thursday Night Football, when the Las Vegas Raiders dropped 63 on the Chargers and route to a 63-21 win, the Detroit Lions made a statement beating the Broncos 42-17. Cincinnati Bengals outlast the Minnesota Vikings in overtime 27-24, and the Colts beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-13. Uh, moving on to Sunday's games, the Baltimore Ravens defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-7 in Sunday Night Football. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs defeated the New England Patriots 27-17. Dolphins shut out the New York Jets 30-0. Browns outlast the Bears 20-17. Texans get the better of the Titans in overtime 19-16. Saints make a statement with their 24-6 win over the New York Giants. I mean, Carolina Panthers get their second win of the season, uh, this time over the Atlanta Falcons, 9-7. to Tampa Bay Buccaneers are led by Baker Mayfield in his historic performance, beating the Packers 34-20. 49ers defeat the Arizona Cardinals 45-29. Rams outlast the Washington Commanders 28-20. Buffalo Bills run all over the Dallas Cowboys, literally, and win the game 31-10. And the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Philadelphia Eagles in on Monday Night Football. After the week, I went 12-4. and four. Ethan, you went 7-9. and nine. And now, let's talk some unfortunate injuries. Uh, starting off in Baltimore, they lose impressive rookie running back Keaton Mitchell. He's done for the year with a torn ACL. Eagles, uh, why, I mean, cornerback Darius Slay has been, uh, is to be determined on his return following a surgery on his knee. Um, but the positive is he is expected to be back before the regular season ends. And Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase suffered a separated shoulder against the Vikings. He's not expected to be back this week, but the expectation is he will play again before the regular season ends. Let's go ahead and move on to our top three takeaways of the week. Ethan, you can start us off. Top three takeaways. Um, number three, I think that the uh, – it's not even I think the Dallas Cowboys show that they are who we thought they were. Um, I was this 
into a podcast and they pulled up this meme where it's like the vicious cycle of a cowboy saying season starts, everybody's excited, beat up on bad teams, then we them boys, and then it's like the reality kicks in that they aren't who they thought they were. And I think that they're in this part of the reality is kicking in. I think that they have a good team, but I just think that they aren't the upper echelon type of team that people were telling them to be a couple weeks ago. Uh, My number three is Sunday was a reminder that I really do take Lamar Jackson for granted because I'm sure for those of you, even if you didn't watch the full game, I'm sure if you're a sports fan or you follow the NFL or ESPN or whatever on social media, you probably saw that clip of Lamar like drunk like evading a sack by Roy Robertson Harris, finding a tight end Isaiah Likely for a deep pass to set the set the Ravens up in the red zone in double coverage. And like as I'm watching the game, like the whole admittedly, I was more impressed by Isaiah Likely the fact that he caught it because he was literally draped in coverage. But I also had to go back and be like, bro, like Lamar's a machine. Like Lamar is a le- literal magician and. I think as a Ravens fan, I probably just like, I take it for granted because I'm used to seeing stuff like that. But then you watch other quarterbacks and you're like, oh yeah, everybody can't do that. Like usually if Roy Robertson Harris, who's a big dude, was coming at you full speed, that's barbecue chicken. That's supposed to be a sack immediately. But the way Lamar plays, I mean, like I said, I take it for granted and I apologize for that because there truly is no quarterback in the league like Lamar. Yeah, my number two takeaway is, uh, the Tennessee Titans, they they have pieces, but I feel like if they aren't able to protect Will Levis, and I feel like this is a broken record because I know I've said this a couple of times before, but if you aren't able to protect Will Levis, you aren't going to be able to get the best out of their team. And in a game against the Texans where, honestly, they was, in my opinion, with C.J. Stroud out, they were supposed to pull out that win. And I think they ultimately lost because they weren't able to keep Will Davis upright. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, my number two. It's also actually about the Tennessee Titans. And I'm, it's more so about Derrick Henry and... I, I really believe that Derrick Henry might not have a choice but to stay in Tennessee. Like, he's had some games where it's like, yes, this feels like the Derrick Henry of old. Like, he we're finally getting King Henry back. And then there's other games like Sundays where it's like, man, where are you? Like, where have you been? And this was a prime example. He had 16 carries for nine yards. When was the last time he had more carries than he had actual yards? And it sucks because Derrick Henry, as we know, like has been one of the best running backs of this generation. But with performances like this, it's like you're just waiting for him to kind of blossom and have those big moments. But with him not doing that, especially in a contract year, I think it's going to hurt him once he hits the open market. Yeah, my number one is actually about your Baltimore Ravens. Being a Baltimore Ravens running back has to be one of the worst. I'm not going to say worst, but like cursed positions ever. Because I feel like every season you got is a running back that comes out, he starts to dominate, and then he gets like a season in the injury. And then you mess around and you get another like undrafted free agent rookie. He dominates and he gets hurt. And granted, I think it attests to how great Lamar has been this season that you guys are able to stay afloat. But I just 
just feel bad for the dudes that play running back for y'all because I feel like they always get hurt. Yeah, it's not fun, but one of the benefits, and I, I mean Lamar is great, but I'm gonna give credit to the running back groups in general, just because we're not a team that has just one guy at running back. Because if we did, we'd be screwed. Like, yeah, J.K. Dobbins got hurt and it sucked, but we still had Gus Edwards, who was playing really well. Justice Hill, he's obviously not as fast as Keaton Mitchell, but he has some of that same ability. And then, I mean, we have Melvin Gordon on the practice squad, who I'm just hoping and praying he doesn't start that fumbling stuff. But, I mean, it sucks seeing all the injuries, but at least we know that we have options. But, all right, now my number one is I was wrong last week when I said I didn't think the steel curtain or the Steelers mentality wasn't dead yet. I was wrong. It's dead. And not even because they lost on Sunday. Like, I mean, not Sunday, Saturday. Was it a bad game? A hundred percent. But when <laughs> George Pickens was asked about not blocking for Jalen Warren and he said he was trying not to get an injury, Bro, what do you mean? Like, everybody leading up to that game, because, like, whenever the Colts play somebody, I try to, like, read a lot of their articles and, like, listen to press conferences just to get a gauge of their team's mindset. This is essentially, like, a playoff game. Both teams coming in, we're, like, seven and six. You're trying to make the playoffs. You're trying to do everything you can to win. And you're telling me you're not going to block for somebody to get a potential touchdown? Like... And the thing is, if you would have blocked it, he definitely he he probably would have scored. A hundred percent. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, and so I know that I know that like obviously when you bring in new players and like the old like veteran guys are gone. I get that a hundred percent. But if I'm Mike Tomlin, there is no way you can say that. Not only just say it, but say it publicly. And think you're stepping on the field next week. At, at the bare minimum, you missing this next game. If like, you don't want to worry about getting hurt, you ain't got to worry about it because you're not even going to play. Like, there will be no conversation with me. I got a question for you about that. Given their, uh, their deficiency at quarterback, do you think this offseason, instead of trying to find somebody in the draft, do you think they need to potentially maybe look at a veteran or trade for a veteran QB? I think I, – I feel like we've talked about this before. I think that trading for a veteran quarterback would, would be beneficial, but it's like, who are you going to get? I think, I think if you're the Steelers, trading for a vet – especially like looking at the current landscape of what quarterbacks may actually be available, that might be hard. But I think that you could make a um, – I really do think that you have an opportunity to go after somebody like a skill position player who's a veteran. Maybe a veteran wide receiver who could come in and kind of check these receivers like when they act like drama queens or when they throw hissy fits or when they don't want to block or go after a fumble. Just like even if it's not a veteran quarterback – like, just get more veterans in that receiving room or just some, like, even if it's not somebody who's going to contribute much on the field, but just personality guys, just leaders. Because looking at this offense, they don't have that guy. They don't have a Heath Miller. They don't have a Heinz Ward. They don't have somebody in the locker room who's going to – or like a, Mar- a Marquise Pouncey to be like, hey, y'all are BSing. We need to get it together. I think more than anything – if they were going to trade for a vet, that's what I would look for more than just like specifically a quarterback. No, I agree. I'm just, 
who do you so who would you who do you think they should make a make a look at? Realistically I'm trying to think like of realistic people. Um I'm trying to think of personality guys on offense that low key nah, let me not say DK. I think mm, that's a good question. I think maybe a hey, that's a really good question. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that because my brain is like not registered. I don't know if he will be available for trade, but I think he's mature. I would say Juju because he he was there at the tail end of like when the Pittsburgh way was here, the Pittsburgh way. Eh, but he wasn't like he wasn't. I, I said he matured, so I think. He can kind of connect with them better because I also because you think about it, they have Allen Robinson in the locker room, who's a veteran wide receiver, and stuff is going on. I don't, I, I don't know about Juju just because I don't even know if I'd say he's mature because he was still doing TikToks and stuff in Kansas City. No, that's true. Um. I would probably go with, like, a Mike Evans. I think a Mike Evans could be good. Would he go to Pittsburgh? Absolutely not. But I think he would make a lot of sense. Um, maybe, I know this ben, is, I'm sorry, what did you say? I was going to say, being honest, I don't know if he would do it. Because, but I, what about D-Hop? Because he has a player option. Oh, a hundred, yeah, D-Hop would be a great one. It's not guaranteed he's gonna be back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think D Hop will be a really good one. I think he would shut down a lot of the BS that they try to do. Brandon Cooks, I think, could be a good one because he's another guy who's been around for a long time. But like, just just somebody who's been there, done that, who's not just gonna sit around and be like, "All right, we're just gonna let this ride." Like, nah. Like sometimes you need somebody to get in these younger players behind to get them right, and they just don't have that right now. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to a more positive tip. Let's talk the most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookies of the week. Starting offensively, who you got? James Cook. I mean, when you look when you look at the score that they put up on the Cowboys, you would expect that Josh Allen had this amazing MVP level type game. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he only completed seven passes for ninety-four yards. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you, James Cook. Twenty-seven touches, two hundred twenty-one total yards, two touchdowns. Sign me up for that every game. Uh, what about defensively? Defensively, um, trying to remember who won crazy this week. That week. You want me to go first? Yeah. Um, I'm going with uh, Seahawks safety Julian Love against the Eagles had two fourth quarter picks, including one that sealed the game. I know he's not a guy on that defense who like everybody really thinks about, but he has been a playmaker. And this past week, he made him at the most important time. He being the guy, and I'm going to say I don't remember his name, but the dude that made that crazy interception for the Raiders. Oh, Jack Jones. Yeah, Jack Jones. I got to give it to him because it's like, just for that one play alone, I understand it was a blowout, but it was like, you 
No, that was a dope play. Definitely, I'll say this. If it was, like, a better team and, like you said, a better game, I think it would be talked about more. Yeah. All right, who's your rookie of the week? Rookie of the week is uh, it's not Williams. It's not Bijan. Uh, Definitely not Bijan. Yeah. I'm trying to Nah, Zay really didn't do anything. I think he might have had one catch. Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to watch a lot of games this week. Uh, you want me to go ahead and go? Yeah. All right, my rookie of the week is going to go to tight end Sam Laporta. Five catches, 56 yards, three touchdowns against the Broncos. A very close second was Jameer Gibbs because Jameer Gibbs also had a crazy game. All right, bet. Uh, most disappointing player group, whoever who you got. Trevor Lawrence. That's fair. I'm gonna go the Cowboys run defense because they allowed 266 yards against a team that does not run the ball. Yeah, that's rough. But all right, let's go ahead and look at the playoff picture. Um, a few teams clinched their playoff spots this past week. So let's go ahead and start off with the AFC. If the playoffs started today, here's how things would stand. The Baltimore Ravens would maintain the first overall seed, and they've clinched the spot, so they're going to be there regardless. Um, it would be the number two Miami Dolphins versus the number seven Indianapolis Colts, number three Kansas City Chiefs versus the number six Cincinnati Bengals, and number four Jacksonville Jaguars versus the number five Cleveland Browns and like I said things are still very much so in the air um the teams that are in the hunt right now that are also eight and six are the Houston Texans and Buffalo Bills Steelers have a chance Broncos have a chance as well but of the wild card teams or maybe just the teams in general which one do you think has the biggest chance of dropping out of the playoffs and if so if you have one who do you think replaces them I'm gonna say either I'm going to say the Bengals because they're already without Joe Burrow. They just lost um, Jamar. Granted, it might be for a week, but we don't know if it's like certain um, who I could see replacing them. I'm going to say the Texans because they're going to get, I think they're going to get CJ Stroud back and he's going to continue to like winning games for them. For me, I'm gonna Cleveland's is a weird one. I'll say this. If CJ Stroud was playing, I would definitively say Cleveland, but it's still TBD if he's gonna play on Sunday or not. So I think I'll ride with you with the Bengals for everything that you said. All right, now let's go ahead and look at the NFC playoff picture if the playoffs started right now the san francisco 49ers will be the number one seed they have clinched the playoff spot and the nfc west division title uh number two would be the dallas cowboys and they would face off against the number seven uh well minnesota vikings number three would be the uh detroit lions who will face the number six los angeles rams number four will be the Tampa bay buccaneers holding off the uh number five philadelphia eagles who i also believe have clinched a playoff spot so same question of the teams we mentioned which one do you think uh has the biggest chance of dropping out um other teams that are in the hunt the seven and seven seahawks the seven and eight saints and even the six and eight uh, Falcons and Packers. 
I'm going to say the Vikings simply because they can't figure out the quarterback situation. It, like, it was looking like Josh Dobbs was the guy. Then he came back to reality. Um, then didn't they have, like, Kellen, not Kellen Mond. Um, Aiden o- no, I'm sorry, not Aiden O'Connor. Um, um, Aiden Hall, I believe his name. He was the quarterback yeah. for uh, BYU. Like, I think it's just going to be them just because of quarterback play and who I could see potentially replacing them. I'm probably going to lean towards the Seahawks just because, like, overall talent over roster, I could see them winning a couple games and sneaking in. Um, This is tough. I think I, – I feel you with the Vikings. Yeah. I think I'm going to side with you on the Vikings for – pretty much everything you said, just questions about the quarterback, even though I do think they have the talent to make it in spite of that, but who knows? Um, Seattle, I don't trust Seattle. Low-key, I could maybe see the Saints getting in over the Vikings, but, again, we don't know which Saints team we're going to see. But I'll say this about the NFC playoff picture. Like, I hope we get Lions and Rams in the first round, the wild card round, because, like, low-key – I think the Rams would win that game. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, like, Matthew Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, that defense with Aaron Donald. Like, it'll be a hardball game. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think it'd be fun because, I mean, both teams have a lot of offensive weapons, but they also have questions defensively. And so I could see that being like a 45-42 game. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. And, I mean, it'd be nice poetic justice for either team because, I mean, Jerry Goff would be like, hey, I knocked y'all out the playoffs. Or Matthew Stark would be like, hey, I knocked y'all out the playoffs. So that'd be dope. Um, all right, let's go ahead and look at some roster moves around the NFL, or at least upcoming roster moves, starting off with Teddy Bridgewater. Currently, he is the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions, but he announced that this will be his final season as he plans on retiring after the year in coaching high school football. So congratulations to Teddy on his upcoming retirement. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have placed cornerback Tony Brown and wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie on the reserve suspended list for three games for conduct detrimental to the team. Speaking of the Colts, wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. was concussed by safety uh, for the Steelers, DeMonte Casey, and Casey has since been suspended uh, by the NFL for the remainder of the regular season. And not everybody thought it was the right decision. More specifically, Tom Brady, future Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest of all time, spoke out about Casey's suspension and said, nobody likes seeing players get hurt, but hard hits happen. Quarterbacks should not be throwing the ball in areas where they are exposing their teammates to these types of hits. Coaches need to coach better. Quarterbacks need to read coverages and throw the ball to the right places. And defenders should aim for the right hitting areas. To put blame on the defense player all the time is just flat out wrong. Need better quarterback play. It's not okay for quarterbacks to get your quarter your receivers hit because of your bad decisions. We kind of talked about this off the air, but do you feel like defensive players are usually scapegoated for the mistakes or just ineptitudes of quarterbacks on plays like this? I, I believe so because, again, I watched the – I was watching the game and I saw the play live, and the Garner Mitchell led him in a position where it's like, Unless the only 
way that hit would have been avoidable is if KZ would have just let him land on the ground and then just touched him. Yeah. But if you're trying to break up the pass, which that's what he was going for, you kind of put him in a in a land of no return where it's like you're going to take a bad hit. So I definitely think that like um, defensive players have been put in positions just doing their job, which is reacting to what the offense does. And because the quarterback makes a bad read or bad ball placement, it then in turn gets put on a defender. Yeah, because, I mean, if we're being honest, it feels like and for a lot of plays, because there have been some questionable calls, like just for like unnecessary roughness. But it's like, what am I supposed to do? Let him catch the ball? Like, would you prefer that I let them get this 20-plus yard gain? And I'm not saying some of these hits are right because obviously they're not. There have been some bad ones. But it's like it sucks because as a defense, stuff like this tells you don't even try to tackle. Regardless of how it looks, regardless of if you didn't do anything wrong, don't try to tackle. Just let them catch it which is detrimental to you because as a defensive player, especially in the secondary, you make your money off of receivers and pass catchers not making big plays against you because when they do, that can cost you your job. And so, like, even today, uh, Michael Pittman spoke to the media. He even said, like, he didn't see KZ coming. He just went for the ball. And so that kind of goes back to what you said about, like, uh, Garner kind of leading him into that tackle. So, and I can't get in trouble for that. He literally said it today. But neither here nor there. I agree with you. I do think that uh, defensive players are becoming a bit scapegoated in that regard. But all right, let's go ahead and move on, play our quick game of believable or buffoonery. So this statement came out before the Bills game, but it's still worth talking about. Um, DeMonte, I mean, not DeMonte, um, Michael Parsons currently hosts a weekly AMA with Bleacher Report. And on one of the latest episodes, he talked about uh, the Dak Prescott and his upcoming contract and said he expects the Cowboys to make a Dak Prescott incredibly rich. More than likely, that may mean he will be the highest paid quarterback in the league. But is it believable or buffoonery that he should be? Uh, I'm going to say buffoonery because this has been, and granted, he just lost a big game. He didn't have a great game. But this has been the one season where Dak has looked to be like a top five worthy quarterback in his whole career. And I get it, you're going to want to pay him because you don't want him to go somewhere else and then have to deal with trying to figure out quarterback situation. But I don't think Dak is worth being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I don't think so either. I think that... Like you said, Dak is having a great year overall this year. Like, last game was rough, but I don't think that negates how good of a year he's having. But with that being said, if I'm making you the highest-paid quarterback, and I know, like, the meter is just constantly changing because of, like, just it really just depends when you need a contract. But it's like, when a push comes to shove, what has Dak accomplished? Nothing. If we're being honest, besides rookie of the year, he hasn't taken the Cowboys past this divisional round of the playoffs. And I know it's a team game, but still, he hasn't won MVP. He's been a pro bowler, but I mean, in this day and age, how much does it mean to be a pro pro bowler anymore? He's never been an all pro. He's never been considered one of the best of the best. And so I think he's going to get a paycheck. He's going to get an extension and rightfully so. 
But to be the highest paid quarterback, I'll say this from my perspective, if I'm making you the highest paid anything, you got to be at worst top five at your position consistently. And he has not been that. So because of that, I'd say no. But we, we talked about the Steelers a bit. And, I mean, it seemed like when they fired former offensive coordinator Matt Canada a few weeks ago, it seemed like they were on the right track. Maybe they were going to be good after all. However, that has not been the case. Before firing Canada this year, the team was 6-4 and four and averaged 16.6 points per game. Not good, but still better than how they've been in the four games since firing Canada, where their record has been 1-3 and, and they're only averaging 14.2 points per game. So, is it believable or buffoonery that Matt Canada was a scapegoat for the Steelers' offensive struggles? I think it's buffoonery. I think that he was a bad offensive coordinator. And honestly, after his his um his firing, their quarterback got hurt, which then brought in Mitchell Trubisky, and we know Mitch is going to Mitch and. I just, I also just think that they have, like, in the middle of the season, I don't think it was going to be this big, like, switch up because the guys that they have in their position haven't really served in the role of being offensive coordinator. Like, when you look at it from the, um, with the Bills, like, they have Joe Brady, who's been an offensive coordinator before. So he can just come in and move right into it, and it can be like a same op somewhat of a seamless transition with the stimulus, like, that isn't the case. So I still think he, I don't think he was a scapegoat at all. I don't think he was a scapegoat either because push comes to shove, their quarterbacks are not good. At best, Kenny Pickett has been average. And then he goes out, you get Mitchell Trubisky, who at his best has also just been average. And now it sounds like Mason Rudolph is going to get the start this weekend, and I don't think he's ever even been average. And so you factor that in with the fact that their run blocking has been bad. Their receivers are the re- their receivers. We talked about this earlier in the show. Like, I think it was just a whole bunch of different ingredients going into the same crappy pie. And that has made up the Steelers offense, which is unfortunate because anybody who watches football can tell you, like, they have talent. They have good players. But for some reason or another, it is not clicking. And I think that it's not – it's a mix between personnel and coaching. And I think that until they find a way to mesh it and, like, bring it all together, I think it's going to be a problem for them regardless of Matt Canada being there or not. So, no, I, I don't think he was a scapegoat. But all right, let's go ahead. A couple more things. Bill Belichick, still conflicting reports about whether or not he is going to remain the New England Patriots head coach beyond this season. But it's been an interesting topic, particularly uh, on the latest episode of In the Heights podcast hosted by the Kelsey brothers. I mean, the New Heights podcast, sorry. Um, While discussing the possibility of uh, Bill Belichick taking over as the Raiders head coach, um, Travis Kelsey responded, nope, I don't want to see it. I hope they keep getting some trash-ass coach that knows, know, that nobody knows. Um, in describing Belichick, he said, Belichick's going to be the front-runner for any head coaching role, which I thought was pretty interesting because I'm not going to lie to you, but I think that might not be the case. But believable or buffoonery, if Bill Belichick does lead the Patriots, he will be the top head coaching candidate this offseason. I think 
personally, I would say no. I think the only reason they might qualify him as a top head coach candidate is because of his resume. Yeah. And people are going to be so enamored by it. But in my opinion, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Bill Belichick as my head coach. I wouldn't either. And I'll say this. I think it depends on what team do you have. If you're a team like the Carolina Panthers who are really just starting from scratch, I'd rather have a young offensive mind who I can kind of grow with. But let's say you're the you're the commanders and you're set on keeping Sam Howell. You just need somebody to steady the ship. I think Bill Belichick would be perfect there. But I've heard been hearing a lot of stuff about him possibly going to the Chargers. If I'm the Chargers, I'm not touching Bill Belichick with a 10-foot pole. Because your best attribute, your best asset is Justin Herbert. Why are you bringing in a quarterback who is not going to help Justin Herbert be successful? Like, the defense will be good, but the offense will score maybe, what, 17 points per game? It's clear in Bill Belichick's last few years in NFL, he has struggled to put together a competent offense or at least find good offensive play callers who can make them good. And I wouldn't want that near me. So I think it would just depend on where, what team I'm looking for a coach for. But overall, I would say no. All right, a couple more things before we make our game picks. Christian McCaffrey, if you ask me, I think he be should be the pick for MVP. But, you know, it always goes to a quarterback unless a skill position player makes a tremendous feat. And Christian McCaffrey is well within range to do both. Um, as of right now, he has 1,800, I'm sorry, 1,801 1, yards and has scored 20 touchdowns this season. Um, if... Right now, he only needs eight more touchdowns to top LaDainian Thomason's rushing touchdowns, or he is just, he is less than 250 yards away from topping Adrian Peterson's rushing yard record. So, is it believable or buffoonery that if Christian McCaffrey breaks the all time rushing record or touchdown record, he should be the NFL's MVP? I think he should be the NFL's MVP regardless. Felt uh, that. Because. No offense to the guys that's been playing quarterback this season, but none of them have had a better season than he's had. Like he's on, he can he's on pace to maybe break one or two of like the bigger NFL records. Period. From a running back standpoint, like no quarterback this season has played to the point where they're breaking like records. So I think. He should be the NFL. Felt that we're in the same boat. Because, I again, I know it's a quarterback award. And if you asked me to pick a quarterback to be MVP, it would be Brock Purdy. But I think anybody in that locker room would tell you, you take Christian McCaffrey out of this offense, it's going to look entirely different. Not saying Brock Purdy's not good, but if Brock Purdy was not on the field and they had to ride with Sam Donald or somewhere else, I think that offense would still be able to stay afloat. So... That, that's my thinking. All right, last but not least, we talked a little bit about it, but the Seahawks uh, got the upset victory over the Philadelphia Eagles this past Monday, 20-17. to 17. And followed it again, and nobody in Philly was happy, particularly Jalen Hurts, who discussed the team's recent struggles and said, I don't think we're committed enough. While there have been some inconsistencies and people nipping at the Eagles all season, is it believable or buffoonery that it's finally time to worry about the legitimacy of the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, 
torn because I think to an extent, yes, but it's also like I'm thinking about it from the aspect of from the defensive side of the football. This defense hasn't played nowhere near the level that they played last year, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've had like their whole linebacker court was out and they had to come over a new linebacker court on the fly, and that's a crucial role for any defense. Um, offensively, I know Jalen Hurst has had this little nagging injury. Um, I'm going to say, I'm probably still going to say believable just because of the level that the 49ers are. Like, it's clear-cut that they're the best team in the NLC. And I think that it's like, unless the Eagles are able to like practice to get healthy and like find linebackers that can do their job, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they aren't the team that we thought they were. I think it's believable. And like, I, I see what you're saying about linebackers, and I think that's important. But like, let's not act like their secondary has done anything either. And, like, their secondary has been bad. And, like, last year they had 70 sacks. This year they have not been able to create that sack production, which is like, yeah, I mean, nobody's expecting you to get 70 again. That's crazy. But it's like, it's just this defense doesn't feel the same. But also the offense has had, in this last few games, don't feel the same either. Like, there's just been so many stupid and, like, costly penalties. We saw the multiple fumbles against Dallas. We saw the too late interception by Jalen Hurts against Seattle. Like, just just penalties that suck because, like, last, this past Monday was probably one of the best defensive games the Seahawks have had in the past month at least. And sure, they lost. Sure, Drew Locke had a 90-plus yard field goal draw. I mean, not field goal, game-winning touchdown draw. But at the end of the day – they, you held them initially to 10 points. You did your job defensively before that last drive. And so if I'm on 13 points, I'm sorry. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just, like, this Philly team just feels very different than the one last year. Like, I just think – I'm sure there's a lot of reasons you can, like, say that's the case. But at the end of the day, it just feels different. Like you said, like, far and away, the 49ers look like the best team in the NFC. And, hell, you can make an argument that they're not even better than the Cowboys right now. So, I I think it is believable. I like the Eagles, and I want them to turn it around. But as of right now, I'm not totally convinced that if they had to see the Cowboys again in the playoffs or the Niners, it wouldn't be another runaway. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for Week 16. Starting things off with uh, the couple of Saturday games, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. In real life, I know this is going to be competitive, and I know it's going to come down to the wire, but I don't trust the Steelers to do anything right now, so I'm going Bengals. Uh, I'm going Steelers. Buffalo Bills versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Another case of I don't trust you. I don't trust the Chargers defense to do nothing, so I got Bills by 20. Bills. Seattle Seahawks versus your Tennessee Titans. I'm going Seattle. Seattle. Indianapolis Colts heading to Atlanta to face the Falcons, and Taylor Heineke is back under center. Colts. 
Uh, next up, we got the Cleveland Browns versus the Houston Texans. That is still TBD. I'm actually trying to work on something <laughs> right now about it, and I'm still waiting for them to like definitively say. With that being the case, I'm gonna say Browns. But if he's back, I'm switching to the Texans. Uh, I I felt bad not going against the Browns last week because low key I wish they would lost. Um, and you know what? Bump it. I'm going Texans. Regardless of if C.J. Stroud plays. Why? Because I wouldn't feel right picking the Browns back-to-back weeks. Um, Green Bay Packers versus the Carolina Panthers. The Packers should win this game. Yeah, Pat. Uh, Washington Commanders versus the New York Jets. Um, this is hard because it's just such a bad game. Agreed. Uh, This was very tough. Um, I'm in the same boat because it's like Washington's defense can't stop nobody, but the Jets' offense really can't score. And so I'm going to give the slight edge to Washington because I think the Jets' defense might have checked out. I think they're just kind of over it, especially after last week's game. Um, Detroit Lions versus the Minnesota Vikings. As much as I would love the Vikings to win, I'm going uh, Lions. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. TBD on Trevor Lawrence's status. Being honest, I don't even care if he's back or whether he's been playing. I'm going with the Bucks regardless. I'm going Bucks, even though I don't trust the Bucks secondary to do anything. And I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, Chicago Bears versus the Arizona Cardinals. High key, this was hard. I am going with – I'm going to go to Cardinals because I, I just think Kyler Murray is going to have a better game than Justin Fields. I'm going to go Bears because I'd like to think that his receivers are actually going to ca- catch the ball this week because he actually was putting it on the money, and if they catch the balls, they stretch the field. And this defense is nowhere near as good as the uh, Browns defense that they just faced. So, yeah. Uh, Next up, Dallas Cowboys versus the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to go Cowboys because, like you said, like I don't really trust either of these teams against like a really good team, but I I think I trust the Cowboys defense to get a stop before I trust the Dolphins defense too. And I think this is going to be one of those games like it needs one key stop, and I can see them doing it. Um, next up, Denver Broncos versus the New England Patriots. I'm rooting for you, brother-in-law. I got Broncos. Broncos. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I got Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I got Raiders. Okay. Look at you being on the Antonio Pierce bandwagon. Um, Philadelphia Eagles looking to get right against the New York Giants. I I think they will. Well, I hope for their sake they will. Because, like, it, you lose to Seattle, whatever. You lose to Dallas or Buffalo, okay. But you lose to the Giants? 
all hell gonna break loose. I agree. I got And then last but not least, saving the best for last, my Baltimore Ravens are heading to San Francisco to face the 49ers Monday Night Football on Christmas Day. I got 49ers. Yeah, agree. I I think that obviously I want us to win. I want us to win every game. But on a realistic tip, I think that they're going to make a few more plays than we do, and they're going to win. Hopefully it's close. That's all I ask. If we're going to lose, I want it to be close. I don't want it to be a blowout, but I think 49ers come out on top. All right, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookies we are watching this week. Uh, For me, offensively, I'm watching Dak Prescott. Went from being the leading MVP candidate to just another bum. Not my words. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott, I mean, he's under a lot of scrutiny right now. Everyone's expecting him to kind of, like, get it together. And, I mean, this will be a nice get-right game if you can beat the Miami Dolphins. So, I think it's going to be a big test for him. And if he comes out on top, and let's say Brock Purdy has a bad week, he can get himself back in the MVP conversation, even though it still should go to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, for me, offensively, I am going to be looking at the quarterback that he's facing. Tua, um, if I'm not mistaken, Tua had a good game this week, and apparently said some stuff that were also people the wrong way. I don't know what he said, um, but I think that I know the Cowboys' defense is great, but their corner outside of Stephon Gilmore, like their corners could very easily get. Picked apart by Tyreek Hill and Jaden Wall. And I think he's going to put the ball on the money and come away with a good game. Uh, defensively, I'm not watching one specific player. I'm watching a duo, and that is the linebacker duo of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, who I still contend is the best linebacker duo in the NFL. But they're also going to be facing off against a hell of an offense that's going to give the ball to guys like George Kittle quite a bit. They're going to see a lot of Christian McCaffrey. Those guys are going to be asked to do a lot. And if you want to show everybody just how bad you are, this is the game to do it. And then uh, rookie I'm watching is B. John Robinson coming off a very bad game against the Panthers. Seven carries for 11 yards and lost a fumble. Not the game you want to see out of an eighth overall pick going up against a Colts defense that is feeling very good about themselves after holding the Steelers to 74 yards. Did a story about that. Y'all should read it. Uh, but, yeah, I want to see how he responds because um, everybody knows the Falcons going to run the ball at least 35 times. Yeah, uh, for me, my rookie, I'm going to give to my first is B. John for everything you said. My second is, here's the point if he comes back, it has to be C.J. Stroud. Yes. I, I hope C.J. Stroud plays. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. All right, last but not least, team, you're calling out. Funny you mentioned Mr. Stroud. I'm calling out the Texans. Regardless of if C.J. Stroud plays or not, I'm going to need y'all to get this dub for obvious reasons. Sorry, Colts fans. It ain't got nothing to do with y'all. It's just the hater in me just can't see the Browns succeed right now. Yeah, for me, I'm calling out the Miami Dolphins because I don't want to see the Cowboys succeed in anything. Okay. And I would love for them to have two heartbreaking back-to-back games in a row. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. 
Starting with our Mambas of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, this is easy. I got Joel Embiid. Bang. Western Mamba of the Week, I'm going John Morant. First game back, you drop over 30 points and hit the game winner. What better way to remind everybody in the NBA how bad you are? I was going to pick John regardless of what he did. But after he did what he did, he, he was definitely going to be my, my Mamba of the Week. And then uh, my rookie Mamba is Brandon Miller. He's been playing really well. I think he just dropped 21 in the Hornets last game. Yeah, my rookie Mamba, I'm going to go check because he's had some okay games offensively, but one game he had nine blocks and then he followed it up with seven blocks in this Grizzlies. Yeah, no, Chet is is a monster. All right, let's go top three takeaways of the week. You can start us off. Top three takeaways. Um... Me and you talked about this off air, but I think that the Detroit Pistons, they should go shopping. They have, they don't have a lot of pieces, but they have some pieces that could potentially entry some some teams, one of them being Bogdanovich. He could be a good fourth option that can spread the floor. You also do have some young pieces that could maybe enter some teams in like Jay Nod, since for whatever reason, Munson Lee doesn't want to play him. Um, maybe Marvin Batten, especially Jalen Durant. I think if you're going to, like, I feel like if, if you can't get any worse. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, with that being said, maybe getting some draft capital for some of these pieces that you are playing, like, losing guys with could be a good result. My only thing about that is, you're. Are you trying to be? Was, what were the expectations when Monty Williams got there? Like, obviously, we'll never know. But like, when he got hired, was it like, hey, we know these first few we- couple years gonna be rough, but after like going in that third season, we were looking forward to turning things around. K gonna be older. Jalen Duran is gonna be older. Like. Was that the expectation, or was it like, hey, we think that you could kind of get us in a play-in situation? Because if it was the latter, then, yeah, I agree with you, blow it up. But if everybody involved knew that this was going to be a growing period, I think it's better to kind of go through these bumps and bruises, as rough as it may be, and then, like, reap the benefits after. But obviously, I could be wrong. Um, My number three is basketball is more fun when Ja is playing. Like... Ja Morant, I understand Ant is great. Shea is awesome. Tyrese Halliburton is balling. But in my opinion, there is no more fun basketball player in the NBA to watch right now than Ja Morant. And just seeing him back on the court just makes the, in my opinion, makes the NBA better. My number two is the Philadelphia 76ers made the absolute right decision getting rid of James Harden. And I'm saying this from the standpoint of you are able to unlock Joel and B fully. Like, I know some people complained about him baby fouls and things of that nature, and this was led to his like um high scoring games. But like we haven't seen Joel and B be this version of Joel and B his whole time in the NBA. And I think a lot of it is now you have a team that's built to, like, maximize his skill set. 
because you have a guard Tyrese Maxey who who can attack downhill but also can make shots. And then it's like you just spread the court with a bunch of shooters to give him space to go to work. And I think that's what he like that's what he's needed. And Nick Nurse is like done a masterful job being a first year head coach in Philadelphia in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Um, number two, amid the Cavaliers' recent struggles, it wouldn't shock me if the Cavaliers on borrowed time with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, we just kind of talked about the significance of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland being out, and I don't think it's going to like lead to you know Spider getting traded this season. But it just not to say that Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be in Cleveland, but it's like when he was initially being talked about being traded from Utah. Cleveland came out of the woodwork as his final destination because we heard so much about the Knicks. We heard about Miami. And so I think when push comes to show, because I know his contract is coming to an end, if the Cavaliers just get bounced from the playoffs earlier, they fail to, like, advance past the play-in, it wouldn't shock me if we see Donovan Mitchell in a different uniform next season. My number one is John Moran submitting himself as – I want to say, I'm not even going to say I want to say, he is the most polarizing figure in the NBA in this current moment. 100%. I think you have a large contingent of people that doesn't like him because of the things that he did off the court and the fact that he's still, he's young and brash. And then you have, I think, a a bigger contingent of people that love John Murray. I think if <clears throat> I still think regardless of what he what he went through and had to go through from the standpoint of serving suspension, I think if John were to come back and lead the Grizzlies to the playoffs in some way, form or fashion, I think he might go back to being the front runner, being the face of the NBA. Because like you said with Anthony Edwards, but no other like star level player is outside of LeBron has like the gravitas and the personality that draws people in like John. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know if the M- I'll say this, I don't think the NBA purposely would do it, or at least not anytime soon, but give it a couple years and like let the dust settle. I could see them trying it. Um, number one for me is with the Lakers' recent struggles, losing four straight, and then the Bulls' success winning seven of the last ten, it feels like Zach Levine to L.A. is going to happen any minute now. I mean, the we kind of talked about this off the air, but the Bulls have been able to have success without Levine on the court. Kobe White is playing really, really well. DeMar DeRozan is playing well, too. And, I mean, they've shown that they don't need Zach Levine. I don't know if it's going to last or not, but if, you, if you're um, – if you're Chicago, you're thinking, hey, we can move on and still be all right. Whereas the Lakers, it's really showing that if it's not LeBron, if it's not AD, it's not going to get done. And so Zach Levine right now, especially because he's kind of dealing with an injury, this will probably be the perfect time to pounce and try to get him when you can get him at a relatively cheaper rate as opposed to if he was to come back and start playing really well before the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree. Look at the the way that the Bulls have played. I feel like, unfortunately, it's just a, a situation where you removed one of the three um, big dogs. 
and now the ball is able to move around more. And DeMar is the type of guy where he has no issue with hitting the open man. I know Zach Levine, he isn't super willing to be a passer. He's kind of hyper-focused on scoring. And I think you also you've also unlocked some of the other guys on the team. Like Kobe White has made really good improvements in his play recently. Um, but if, if I'm the Lakers, Zach Levine got to be on my team. Yeah, I'm calling every day because at this point, everybody else aside from AD and LeBron are expendable. I don't think they would trade um, Austin Reeves, but. Unless he really start kicking it up and not just like start playing like he did in the playoffs, I don't think they have much trouble letting him go. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's look at some roster moves. Um, so since Draymond Green has started his NBA mandated counseling, he is expected to miss at least the next three weeks. And while the Golden State Warriors are far, far away from playoff contention, as is the rest of the NBA. People, most notably uh, Analyst and Boogie, talked about the the loss of Draymond and the effect it's going to have on the locker room, saying without Draymond, it just does not work. As of right now, the Golden State Warriors are 13-14, and but they've won their last three games. So it begs the question, do you think that the Warriors will take a dip in their conference standings without Draymond, or maybe do you think they're going to stay the same, get higher? What do you think over the next three weeks? So let's just say mid-January, where do you think things will stand in the standings? Because right now they're 11 in the West. I can see it going only two ways. I can see them either dipping or staying level where they are. Because now they're starting to put a bigger role on some of these young guys. And some of these young guys have played better. Like Jonathan Kamiga, he's kind of played well. Moses Moody has played well. You bring Andrew Wiggins has came in and kind of stepped up his play. You also have Clay. Ever since he was like, I played like crap. Now he's looking more like the Clay Thompson of old. But I, it's more so one of those things to where it's like it can either you can go on a run and stay afloat, or if you have like a couple games where you fizzle out, you can drop. That's the that's the nature of the Western Conference. I don't necessarily see them getting past like higher than where they are because the teams above them are just like better solidified teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, you do lose something, a big part defensively without Draymond on the court. But like you said, it does open things up for younger guys like Kaminga to see more playing time. You really get a chance to see what they can do. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be like a massive jump either way. Um, even though looking at the standards right now, I three weeks is a long time. And so... Assuming no major injuries happen, I think they'll probably stay like on the outside looking into the play-in spot. But it wouldn't shock me if maybe they drop a spot or two because I think some teams are going to start playing better. Like obviously, I think the Grizzlies are going to start playing better. I think that the Spurs aren't going to lose seventeen straight games. Like I think they're going to start being a bit more competitive. Um, and then obviously, the teams at the top, I can see some dropping, like the Rockets. Uh, right now, they're 13 and 12. It wouldn't shock me if in a few weeks that changes as well. So, 
We'll see. And then Mavericks. I mean, with Kyrie gone, Luca's kind of doing what Luca's been doing and just kind of taking over. But does that mean is he gonna be able to do it long enough for it to lead to wins? We shall see. But yeah, I don't see any substantial changes really happening. But kind of talking about the Mavericks, reportedly they are betting favorites for Draymond Green if he does actually end up getting traded by the Golden State Warriors. As of right now, they are the favorites with plus 210, followed by the Los Angeles Lakers, who are at plus 300, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are at plus 500. So let's say the Warriors actually do decide to trade Draymond. Do you think the Mavericks would be a good fit? Uh, no. And the reason being is because the guys that the Mavericks have as far as Kyrie Irving and Luka, they're, they're better suited with the ball in their hand. When you bring in a guy like Draymond, he kind of has to have the ball in his hand and initiate the offense. He's not looking to score, mm-hmm. but he needs the ball in his hand and hit people that are open um, and move without the, and have guys move without the ball. Kyrie does it to an extent. Luka doesn't do it at all. Luka is like, hey, give me the rock clear out. If they help, I'm going to hit you. If they don't help, I'm going to score. And then with, if you add Draymond, you, he's not the greatest shooter. So it's like, okay, if you put Luka on ball and you kick it out to Draymond, he's not going to be effective in their role. Um, so I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think so either. And also, you kind of talked about the on-court's perspective. On off the court, I think Draymond is – what Draymond are you going to get if you're a new locker room? Is Draymond going to be the Draymond that we've come to know, like in Golden State, who can be very aggressive and is a, is a very good leader for the team but can also rub people the wrong way? Because it's one thing to be like that with guys that you've been around for – majority your entire career whereas if you're coming to an entirely new place with veterans like Kyrie who's been in the league for over a decade Luca who's been playing a substantial amount of time and other guys like that they may not want to deal with you the way that the Warriors dealt with you and so I think you could make that argument for anywhere that Draymond would go but I just don't think he would be a good fit for that locker room if that makes sense. Because you know what it is. Like when Mark Cuban, he's already expressed how much he loves Luca. Draymond got one time to talk to Luca crazy and he gone. Which Loki I would like to see. But yeah, realistically, I just I don't think it would happen. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery before we get up out of here. Jalen Brunson has quietly been putting together another strong season with the New York Knicks, and recently just dropped a 50-piece against the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant praised the guard and said that's his franchise, Hall of Fame player by the end of his career. Is it believable or buffoonery that uh, Jalen Brunson is on the Hall of Fame track? Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say yes because getting in the basketball Hall of Fame isn't nearly as hard as getting into like the in uh, NFL Hall of Fame. Like, Brunson can put together some years where he makes a couple deep playoff runs and things of that nature, and he's a productive guy, and he can sneak into the Hall of Fame. So I would say yes. I'm going to say – I'm going to say no, only because we haven't seen him actually do anything besides, you know, 
have some solid show, showing like really big regular season games. But what the Knicks, he took the Knicks to what to the second round this past season. Like, I think he would have to at least to get them to a couple Eastern Conference finals before it really becomes a conversation. Because if not, it's like, all right, you had some good moments, but what did you actually do? And especially playing for a franchise like the Knicks, who are like arguably the biggest market in basketball or just in sports in general, being in New York, you got to do more than just be good. You got to be great. And I don't know if we've seen Jalen Brunson be great yet. So till then, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, kind of talking about greatness, when he was drafted first overall out of Duke, that is what the NBA expected to see out of Zion Williamson. And while there have been flashes of it, it has not been there on a consistent level, mainly because he has been hurt a lot. And that is starting to affect his money. Um, after missing over 22 games last season, a clause was triggered in Williamson's contract that turned the last three of his salary from guaranteed to non-guaranteed. What that means is the Pelicans can waive Zion after the 2024-2025 season and not face any financial ramifications. We've kind of talked about the possibility of Zion being out of New Orleans for a while now just for one reason or another, but with this latest development with his contract, is it believable or buffoonery? We are witnessing the final season of Zion being a Pelican? I think it's believable. Um, I think that unless he shows in during the middle of the season shows a newfound commitment to getting in shape and being like a superstar level player consistently, I don't think New Orleans is going to keep him because like they have guys that could potentially, like, I'm not going to say be superstar-level guys, but they have CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. They could be two guys that could be the face of your franchise to move on from Zion. Um, I also agree you talked about an off-air. A part of me thinks Zion doesn't even want to be in the woods. Like, I think he wants to go somewhere with bigger lights. So I think that, yeah, I don't think – I think this will be his last season. I think so, too. Um, pretty much for everything that you said, I think it's believable as well. Just because, I mean, if you're New Orleans, again, not to say that Zion has been bad or anything. Let me say this. If he leaves, he's not getting waived. They're not just going to give him up for free. That'd be stupid. Somebody would give you something substantial in return for him. But if I'm Pelicans, like, I totally understand the thought process of he may not want to be here, but we don't even know if we really want to keep him here just because it doesn't really seem like he has that buy-in that you want, and you don't know if you can really count on him. And when you draft somebody first overall, you're hoping him they'll be the face of your franchise. And while technically you could say that, over the, since he's been drafted, I don't even think it's really a strong argument on his behalf that he's been the best player that they've had. And so I just think that if you are New Orleans – We'll see how the season goes. If you get your act together, if you can stay healthy during this latter portion and we make a run, we'll be happy to have you. But if not, you can be gone. And I think maybe a change of scenery will be best for both sides. All right, uh, continuing on the conversation of quarter, I mean, players and interesting opinions. Paul Pierce, who is never without an interesting take uh, on KG Certified, discussed the statuses of the San Antonio Spurs and Detroit Pistons and said, against Detroit and against San Antonio, I can get you a 20-piece nugget. 
that's buffoonery. But I just want to hear what you guys say about it, just cause. Wow. No, I mean, they aren't good defensively, but it's like the only way you're going to get you have to just get nothing but wide open shots, and he might get a couple, but. Like, Paul Pierce isn't going to be any of these guys. Well, he can post up, but he's not going to be any of them off the dribble. I know. I'm, I'm going to read you some stats. Over the course of his entire career, he averaged 19.7 points per game. Oh, so if he gets 20 against the same, the Spurs or Pistons, that's already topping his game, game uh, averages. In his last season in the NBA – he averaged 3.2 points per game. How can I expect you, and mind you, he played 11 minutes. How can I expect you to drop 20 off your couch that you've been on for what, seven, eight years, and you're going to drop 20 on anybody? No shot. No shot. Yeah, I don't see it. And, and again, don't get me wrong, the Spurs are bad. The Pistons are terrible, but nah. Like, that's like saying Shaq gonna come in and drop 20 on them boys. No disrespect to Shaq, but Shaq hasn't played in over a decade. I'm not expecting somebody who hasn't played to all of a sudden just go crazy against these guys. Because that's just disrespectful. So, yeah, big buffoonery, but then again, it's Paul Pierce. What else would you expect? All right, last thing before we get up out of here and make our game picks. Uh, speaking of Shaq, he had some very uh, complimentary things to say about Steph Curry following a big performance this week and said, is it time to start putting him as the best player of all time? When asked in retort by um, Kenny, he was like, would you put Steph over you? He said yes, which takes a lot because, you know, a lot of athletes are prideful. So let's start off with the big question. Is it believable or buffoonery that we should start putting Steph in the GOAT conversation? I'm going to I'm going to say believable. Um, just because when you think about the guys that are in the GOAT conversation, obviously, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, like, if you look at it, obviously Jordan has six titles, but and LeBron and Kobe has five, but LeBron has four. He still has four. Um, and like Steph did. Then he falls one of those groups of guys that like he changed the way the game was played. So I could say I would say yes. I'm going to say buffoonery because if I'm gonna consider somebody like the greatest of all time you at least have to have periods where I'm like, oh, yeah, you're far and away the best player of your generation. I don't think there's really been a time when I've thought Steph Curry was the best player in the league without, like, an argument. Like, MJ, obviously, best player. Kobe, sure. Michael, I mean, not Michael, uh, LeBron, 100%. Maybe you could make a case that, like, since the 2020s have started, maybe that's been Steph. But I don't know if I would say that. And then that's even getting into the conversation of, like, well, 
people who like, well, is he even the best point guard of all time? I know you have your stance on it. We differ on that. But in my opinion, I'd say no. Is he a game changer, though? A hundred percent. If you are making a Mount Rushmore of the players who change the game of basketball, he is on there. But I don't know if that's enough to warrant him being just considered the greatest. But I think he's amazing. And I think that how, like, each generation has their GOAT, it wouldn't shock me if, like, the generation after us is like, yo, Steph Curry is the GOAT. That's fair because, like, that's what you grew up watching. You're going to have a stronger ties to the players that you grew up watching that you experienced. And it's a hell of experience watching Steph. But I don't know if I would go that far in putting him up there. But I think he's for sure top 15, maybe top 10. But number one, I don't think I could go that far. But – that goes to the second part of the question. Do you think that he has a he's better than Steph? I'm not Steph, better than Shaq all time. Mm, being honest, I think they're even because I know you just said that you never had a point where you thought Steph was the best player in the NBA. I do know that Steph is like the only player to ever win. And MVP, and like he was dominant. No, no, no. Let, let me phrase. Like I'm not saying Steph wasn't great, but no, no, no. but yeah, like I just I'll say it like this. Like when I say it, that it was like periods of greatness, where not just one year where you could be like, oh yeah, Steph. Like years of like for like LeBron in the 2010s, it was LeBron. Kobe in the 2000s. That's what I'm saying. Like with regards to Steph. Agree. Like, I think when you look at the run and still had, like, it still is having no one is doing the things that he's able to do. And then when you look at the run and Shaq had, no one was able to do the things that Shaq did. So I would say, yeah, I would say I think they're they're like even. I would I agree with you on that because like they have two incredibly different styles of play but when they're at their best you can't stop it you can't do anything with it which is why Shaq repeated with the Lakers and won another ring with Miami he wasn't the best player but you know what I'm saying and then Steph with the Warriors winning four rings I mean I feel you like it's hard if I was to go like blow for blow which between the two of them were better but I see what you're saying like I, I don't think I would Definitively be like, oh yeah, Steph is better than Shaq because of this, or Shaq was better than Kobe. I mean, not Kobe, but better than uh, Steph because of this. So I agree with you. I think it's pretty even, like neck and neck. It just, I guess, it just comes down to like which style of play do you prefer? Because, like I said, they're both very, very different players. But yeah, I, I, I feel more credence to that than Steph being like the goat. But all right, let's make our game picks before we get up out of here. Uh, starting off with the Toronto Raptors versus the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm going Sixers. Denver Nuggets versus the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going Denver. Denver. Atlanta Hawks versus the Miami Heat. I got Heat. Uh, heat. Uh, 
Dallas Mavericks versus the Houston Rockets. I'm gonna go Mavs. Mavs. Phoenix Suns versus the Sacramento Kings. I'm going. Eh, I'll go Kings. And then last but not least, well, actually, that's a lie. Washington Wizards versus the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. Low-key, I think it's a conspiracy. They didn't want Draymond to play Jordan Poole's first game back in Golden State. Uh, oh, yeah, obviously Golden State is going to win. But, all right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Go Grizz, go Tigers, go Titans. And, uh, what, uh, so is Elimination Chamber happening this year? No, no, no. Elimination Chamber is in February. Uh, nah, the next pay-per-view isn't going to be till Royal Rumble. Okay. Yeah, th- you you thinking about when they did, they were talking about day one? I think, yeah. Yeah, that's just going to be on, that's going to be the uh, episode of Raw, because it's going to be on January 1st. Yeah. Yeah, that confused me too, but no, it's not going to be a pay-per-view. Um, as for me, again, thank y'all for listening. Be sure to check out the export, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Ravens, please prove me wrong. I would love a dub. Um, I want more than anything. I want to lock down the AFC North just because I don't want Browns fans to think they're gonna get it. Uh, LSU can't wait to see us kick ass in our bowl game. Same could be said for uh, the Memphis Tigers. Are you going to that game? Because it's gonna be in Memphis. Uh, I don't, I probably won't. I would like to go, but I think I'm gonna have something going. That sucks. Yeah, I I gotta get me back. I gotta get back to Memphis. I can't wait to go visit. Uh but yeah. Grizzlies, can't wait to see what y'all do. Lakers, please make a move. Zach Levine, or just somebody, because this is getting ugly to watch. Even though Loki, I think it's karma for putting up this stupid banner. Cause why would we do that? Um, but again, thank y'all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.